we have a, a value here at Westside that says this, we don't move without prayer. Isn't that beautiful? We don't move with, without prayer because you and I, we have limits and God is sovereign. We don't move without prayer because we come up against our own finite selves and we find ourselves so often helpless in need of someone so much larger than you and me. We don't move without prayer because life is precarious and fragile. And you and I, we have so many needs. We don't move without prayer because we wanna see things happen in us, through us, beyond us. We don't move without prayer because we know our city. We know that our nation, we know that our world needs mighty intervention. We don't move without prayer because there's things that get stuck in us. There's things that we come up against that we don't know how to break through without the power of heaven. We don't move without prayer because we need the wisdom of heaven to fall down like rain. We don't move without prayer because the living God of the cosmos invites you and me into conversation. We don't move without prayer, and yet, I do. I move without prayer all the time. How about you? It's a beautiful value and it's true and talking with our prayer partners around here, they would tell you that the, the amount of prayer requests have grown fourfold in the last 18 months. We know from the research from Reveal that we're growing as a community in prayer and yet I know for myself there are these things called prayer killers that keep me from praying. How about you? Obstacles, resistances, yeah. And it's like we, we love to pray, we like to pray, sometimes we pray. I know some of us have been praying for years and years. Others of us are too maybe intimidated to pray. There's something that keeps us, obstacles, resistances. What is that for you? What is a prayer killer that keeps you from the beauty, the mystery, and the power of heaven breaking into your life? Here's what I'd like to do. I want us, we're going to do a little bit of uh, workshopping today. I, I want you to grab the journal that hopefully you received on your way in. Looks like this. If you're online, go ahead and just grab the link in the chat box. And I want you to go just to right where it says week one. It's kind of your second or third page. And I want you just, we're going to just take a minute. And I want you just to journal. What are the things that keep you from praying more? Assuming we all want to pray more, assuming we love the value, we don't move without prayer, and yet we move without prayer. Why is that? Just list some things out. Ready? Ready? Grab the pen and the seat pocket in front of you and go. Go ahead. Just write what are some of those things that keep you from prayer?
All right, 10 more seconds. All right, I've got my list. How about you? Got a few things, a couple things, one thing. All right, here's what we're going to do now. We're going to turn towards one another. We're going to stand up. Whether you're at Speedway, hello Speedway, by the way. Whether you're in the North Sanctuary, hello North Sanctuary. If you're online, I want you to take what one or two things that you wrote, and I want you to put it in the chat box. And, and here in the North Sanctuary, I'm going to ask you to stand up now. Stand up now, and you're going to turn towards those that you came with and maybe a few that you see around. Don't leave anyone out. We're going to give you three minutes, three minutes to talk about your prayer killers and maybe make some brunch plans. Go. Go. All right, halfway there, monitor your time, make sure you're not leaving anybody out. All right, 30 more seconds. I love how you just sit down, like conversation over. All right. I'm seated now. I'm seated. <laughs> Working out brunch. Is it Cracker Barrel or is it, what is it today? Five guys. All right. Hey, okay. So now, 
If you are online, uh, I want you to go ahead and just start the conversation. Post some of your prayer killers online and start that conversation. If you're part of your A2 community, uh, go ahead and talk. Uh, keep, you know, we want to hear back from you online. And also South Sanctuary, we hope that you can kind of like eavesdrop in here, Speedway the same, because we're going to now shout out a few words or phrases. I want to know what you are talking about. Ready? Go. Let me just hear from you here. Time. What else? Work. Distraction. What did I hear? Procrastination. Yeah. You're a prayer slacker. Me too. What else? Discipline. I heard something here from the student section. JJ. That's an inside joke that I have no idea what you're talking about, but thank you, Simon. What else? Pride. Good. Say again. Insincerities? Insecurity, like, yeah, I mean, who am I to offer a prayer to God? Uh, how about someone up there from the top rafters? Shout something out. Self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency. I got this one, right? I'm my own change maker. Good. Try everything else first, then you come to the last resort of prayer. Really, really good, you all. Um, let's hear from our from our online community, we'll, we'll just see what they've been talking about here. St- distraction, um, not knowing what to say, too busy, busy life. Sometimes it's just plain laziness, a desire to control all or most in my life. And, and we all go, uh-huh, right? Can we all kind of agree with that? Here's my growing list after two services. Don't see it working sometimes. Stymied by all the heavy stuff. I think I am my own uh, change agent. Pride, busyness, distraction, feels difficult, feels like a waste of time and unproductive, and I get paid to pray, (laughs) at least part-time. We don't move without prayer except for when we do move without prayer. Those are prayer killers. The one I want to zero in on here in this moment is that we make prayer too complex. We make prayer way too complex, and Jesus takes that on. I want you to look with me, Matthew chapter 6. He completely deconstructs the complexity, and the first thing he's going to take on is this idea that you have to be a public speaker in order to pray well, and the word that he uses is hypocrites, which in the Greek is actually actor. Here's what he says, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, and when you pray, you're going to hear that, that phrase a lot. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites or the actors, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Jesus is taking on this idea that there's a certain look to prayer. And in that day, it was long flowing robes. It was tassels. It was city gate soap boxes where people or in the synagogue would stand up and pray. And everyone would go, oh my gosh, you must have years of Jedi training in order to do that. We, we think you have to be a public speaker. And we know that uh, from all the research, public speaking ranks right up there with fear of snakes, fear of heights, fear of Raider fans. It's all of those things, right? And we go, I don't want to do that. I can't do that. And Jesus goes, no, 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 no. This doesn't have to be a presentation. This doesn't have to be a production. What's the next complexity he's going to break down? Hoops that we think we have to jump through hoops to get God's attention. How many of you remember the old TV show, Maxwell Smart? 
I'm sorry, kids, for the 50-year-old reference here in this moment, but the great detective, in order to get into headquarters, he'd go through one door after another door after another door after another secret code, and finally he gets in. And I think we have this idea with God that I've got to jump through all of these hoops. What do I have to do? Calisthenics? Do I have to do this? Do I have to do that? In order to get God to turn to me and pay me attention. As if I have to kind of know the secret handshake. Look here. Verse 6. This is so cool. Jesus continues on. But when you pray. Hear that phrase again. When you pray. Go into your room. Close the door. Pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. What's Jesus saying here? Look, you don't have to like. You, you, you don't have to get the access code here to get into my doors, I come through yours. Isn't that cool? And we know by the life of of Jesus, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, that he eliminated all the hoops. He went through the hoops for you and me, yes? Yes? And isn't that cool? We can close our doors and he busts right through. He meets us in our secret place. He comes through all the hoops into your and my sacred space. Love that. Love that. Jesus is like, look, it doesn't need to be this complex. It doesn't need to be this complex. I just hear Waterboy over and over. You can do it. You can do it. You can do this, right? Let's, let's look at the next one. We think that um, by praying, we're going to become heretics. We're going to get it wrong, right? I'm going to say the wrong thing, and I'm going to get, you know, like smote, smoted. Is that a, is that a word? Is that a gra- grammatical challenge here. It's a little bit like talking to somebody who is a grammar fiend, by the way. This fear of talking to the almighty God is a little bit for me like talking to my father-in-law who just knows grammar inside and out. And if I ever go to him, I'm just like, his name is Christy. Don't ask me why, but his name is Christy. And I say, Christy, I'm really tired. So I think I'm going to lay down, lie down, lying down. I get those words all mixed up and he just corrects me every time. And going before God, it feels like, well, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to be struck by by lightning. I don't want to just all of a sudden get nervous and start, you know, reciting the Pledge of Allegiance or praying to the baby Jesus like Talladega Nights. I don't want to become a heretic, right? But did you notice in the text? And Jesus says this over and over. He says, this is your father. In a different place, he uses the word Abba, your daddy. In a different place, in Luke chapter 11, it's like, well, prayer is like, suppose that you have a friend. I'm your friend. He likens himself to father and friend. And I just know as a dad, when my girls say something and they mess it up, it's so cute. It is so cute. I'm like, say that again. There's something delightful to the father when his kids just simply turn to him. And I think from a good and sincere heart, just even get it wrong. We make it way too complex. We don't have to worry about becoming heretics. We don't have to worry about jumping through hoops. And then he goes, he goes on. Because we think that another complexity is we have to pray for hours to get it right. Like if I'm going to go before God, I'm going to have to log some time in. Right? As, as if the longer I pray, if God's back is turned to me, I pray for 15 minutes, he does a little this. I pray for another 15, he does a little this. I pray for a little bit more. And finally, if I log a right, the right amount of time, 
then, then maybe God will kind of turn towards me. And it doesn't help when you talk to somebody who's really good at prayer. They're a prayer Jedi. And they're like, yeah, I couldn't sleep. I woke up at 3 a.m. and I prayed for six hours. And I'm like, that does not help. That does not help, right? And what does Jesus say here? It helps. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. This can be short and sweet, y'all. Doesn't have to feel like this long church service. I, I googled the, the words uh, long praying session and up came uh, a still shot from the TV series Chosen, which is great, right? And I think we kind of have this sense like, well, that's what it's got to feel like. I got to be seated down. And this could really go long, you know, the kind of thing. And incidentally, it's kind of funny. Just days before I googled and got this picture, my sister-in-law, her name is Amaris, she was an extra in this very scene. This was, this was shot in Texas. So she, she was staying with us and her girls were staying with us a few weeks back and she showed me on her phone this very picture. And she goes, look Dan, I'm in there. I'm like, cool, where are you? She goes, I'm the one with the scarf on. <laughs> and, and she had some friend named Greg and, uh, and she goes, and there's Greg. And I'm like, where's he? Well, you can see his forehead, is what she said. I'm like, great, thank, thank you, thank you very much. Amaris, the point is, is that we don't have to pray for long and use long words. And the last one that Jesus really takes on here is this idea of hierarchy. We think that there's a pecking order. There's like professional Christians and amateurs. There's like first class, there's second class. And you know where we work this out? You know where we run it through our head? Well, we do it all the time. But one of the most pronounced places, at the Thanksgiving dinner meal. The, the whole beautiful buffet is laid out before you and everyone's ready to jump in, but we know we should have some decorum, some you know, modicum of respect to God. And, and we all pause and nobody wants to pray and we're calculating in our head, who is the MRP? The most religious person in the room. <laughs> who is that? Who is that? Because this is their role and we need them to pray now and quickly, right? The MRP. Jesus didn't go after the MRP. There were plenty of them. They were found at the city gates and in the synagogues. Who did he go after? The LQP, the least qualified people, just like you and me. In fact, we see this when the disciples, the, the dearest friends and followers of Jesus, as they are living out their lives past Jesus' resurrection and his ascension, here's what's said about them in Acts chapter 4. Members of the council, that's like the religious elite. They were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. That was actually the only qualification. That Jesus has gone through all the hoops, we get to be with them, and something happens and changes when we do. When we do. The more that we just walk in conversation with the Lord, the more people will stand back and go, wow, that, that gal didn't go to seminary, and yet there's something distinctly different. And do you long for that kind of maybe observation about your life? Wow, he or she, 
I think they've been with the God of the universe. I don't know where that wisdom comes from otherwise. I, I think they have a life postured around prayer. Because I don't know you could go through such a battle and have such peace. That person has the mark of having been with Jesus because they have had so much pain in their life and yet there's still this upswell of joy. And for these disciples, they walked with Jesus and in so doing, they learned from him how to pray. And I want us to turn to a corollary passage now from Luke chapter 11. So if you haven't already, you can use your journal for notes or your app for notes or just follow straight from your scriptures. Let's look at, at Luke chapter 11, right at verse one. Here's where it goes down. Here's where the disciples learned how to be with Jesus in prayer. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. Now I just wanna stop there. I want us just to stop there for a moment. Jesus was praying as the almighty 100% God, but also 100% human. He is communing as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This is a beautiful thing. And I just want to say that uh, sitting under Randy's teaching back in the spring on his mighty strength, this book that he has released and the series that we did together, and this idea that though he was God, he did not regard equality with, with God a thing to be grasped, but he lived his life, Jesus did, reliant upon the Holy Spirit, just radically amplifies my understanding of this moment. Jesus prayed not just to model for others, but because he chose to live within limits and rely upon Father and Spirit. I mean, that just radically changes for me. And as an aside, I want to say this. For 15 years, I have been a lead pastor. And what that means is I have sat under my own teaching for 15 years. That's sad. And I, it has been so fun to sit under Pastor Randy's teaching and the others that have uh, taught us now for many, many months. And we are just in an incredible run. The Fit to Fight series. How many of you just enjoyed that and been benefiting from that? I mean, good grief. We just as a family, Elise and I and our girls, we just go home and the conversations are rich. And our daughters missed the talk on parenting, but they checked it out online just to tell us all the things we're doing wrong. You know, I mean, it's just, it is so refreshing. And isn't it fitting that we go from that where we're into this fight about the flourishing of our families and now we land on prayer. Because it's not like we've just got everything dialed in back on the family front, right? Four dates isn't gonna fully fix this. In fact, it's probably true that a few things have kind of surfaced that needed to and things have gotten hard. So all the more now, don't you think it makes sense that we would just go down, stay down deep and long on prayer? Yeah, because we need it. Guess what's coming up next? Launching September the 12th, series called The New Testament Challenge. Why is it a challenge? Because we together are going to read through the whole New Testament together in eight weeks. How about that? 
Yeah, and hearing Randy talk about it, he said, I've never challenged in all of his years of ministry, never challenged the community to read through the whole New Testament together. I think he calls it like the Green Beret Challenge, right? We're going to just do this thing. Now, think about this run from looking at the life of Jesus, his mighty strength, to looking at us and our relationships, whether we're single or married, to now prayer, then to the New Testament. It's a little bit like that one-two punch we see in Acts chapter 6, that they devoted themselves to prayer into the ministry of the word. I just love what's teed up for us. And when we get to that, when we get to the New Testament challenge, we're gonna read through it old school or we're gonna go through it audio. We're gonna do it in our A2 communities. We're gonna all get after it. You don't need to worry about it now unless you're like, that's a lot of reading. I should start now, which you can, right? Or we'll all, we'll all launch it together. Just wanted to give you a quick look. All right, good? Now, back to this moment. Jesus was praying. When he finished praying, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Now, do you ever just wonder, what did that prayer look like? I mean, we have little snippets and things, but what did that prayer look like? Let me tell you what I don't think it looked like. I don't think it looked like Jesus is like, hello, Father. Hi, son. <laughs> like, I don't think it was rigid. I don't think it was a, like obligatory. I don't think it was like super formal. I think it was shockingly and refreshingly raw, honest, real, authentic, alive, and vibrant. And I think those disciples sat there and they're like, we didn't see this at the city gate. We never saw something like this at the synagogue. You mean you can talk to God like that? Yeah. Well, then teach us some of that mojo. Because we want to learn how to do that as well. So Jesus said to them, verse 3, 2, when you pray, you can do it, right? You can do it. Like, hey, look, look what he didn't say. He didn't say, oh, guys, sorry. That's next level training. That's, that's the Jedi level. You're not there yet. Can't, can't, we can't even go there. He also didn't say, go grab some sackcloth, some oil, and give me 15 burpees. He didn't say any of that. He's like, when you pray, you can do this. You can do it, right? And then he leads them in this prayer. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Father, daddy, the tenderness of God. Hallowed be your name. The sacredness, the holiness, the fierceness of the Father. Kingdom, which is where God holds sway over all things. He's covering some amazing ground. Then he goes on and says, give us each day our daily bread. We can pray for simple things, really simple. Just put, put it out there. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. We can pray for complex things like relationships. Are those not complex? Or the complexities of what are going on in our world. And then lead us not into temptation, the confession of like, I don't have this. I'm not my own change agent. I'm broken. And I need the grace and the beauty of heaven to break out into my life. It's just so beautiful. And it's so short. Jesus takes all of our complexities and he makes it simple. It is short. 34 words. That's shorter than a tweet. It is sacred. He invites us to converse with the almighty living God of the cosmos. And it's sweet. He invites us to think of God, consider him as daddy and as friend. And we look back at all of our prayer killers. 
all the things that we said, distraction and, and pride and the sacrifice of unproductivity and all those things that we just said. And Jesus says, I want to give you a new picture of what prayer looks like. Go back to your journal one more time. I want us just to look at a prayer form that we're going to actually come back to at the end of the service and pray together. But go right to page one. See right here? This, this is a way to pray. There's many ways to pray. You might have a better way, and that's okay. But altogether, this is going to be the prayer form that we're going to be working through together as a church community over the next many weeks and hopefully much longer than that. And uh, it just simply, by the way, I want to say that it comes from um, somebody I've been learning a lot about prayer from, Pete Gregg from the 24-7 prayer movement. And he wrote a book called How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal Prayer. I've put it in the notes in the app so you can go check that out. And I just absolutely love how it's laid out here. What's the P? It's just pause. We just, we just stop. What's the opposite of pause, by the way? Panic. There's a lot to panic about in this world, right? And so we pause, we take some deep breaths. How many breaths do you actually need in a minute? You actually need about 10. How many do we actually take on average? Double that. We're a hyperventilating people. And so we breathe and we, we gather our scattered senses in the presence of God. And you can do that in 30 seconds or three minutes, whatever. Rejoice. This is where we go. Before we start asking for more things, God is not a vending machine. We simply want to just rejoice in who he is, in what he has provided for us. And then here's the part I don't want you to miss. Rejoice also means that the Father rejoices to be with you. Do you believe that? That he actually rejoices. He comes through your door and rejoices. The A is we ask. That's what kids do. We ask all the time, right? Kids ask. When we're not asking, we're lying, but that's a different talk. <laughs> we ask. And we just simple ask for, for the simple things and the complex things for ourselves, for our families and friends, and for our world and everyone in between, and then yield. That's the why. P-R-A-Y. Yield is just like, Jesus, I want to just merge into your lane versus asking you to merge into mine. It's so much better when I'm aligning myself with you. So I surrender and I yield. And so as we worship, we're going to go back. I loved how John just said, here's what happens when we praise and when we pray. And so if you would, would you stand if you are able, wherever you are, okay? And we're going to come back to this at the end and actually lead ourselves through this together. But now let's just center our, our focus on Jesus. So God, we give you this time of worship. We say thank you. We invite you into our hearts. We just see it all coming together as we offer uh, our worship to you in song and then in prayer. In Jesus, it's your name. Amen.